Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Don D. Costin, President of Liberty University, as our guest. President Costin. How are you, Brad? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How's it going? Well, good to see you. What good you, to see you. Good to see you, too. What are you eating? Is it What's that? Lunchtime there? Oh, it's just, yeah, I, I, I try to, well, I don't know. I I, I think I, I'm trying to eat healthy. I eat these kind bars, so it's almost it's almost snack time right now. Yeah, good, good, good. For me. So nothing nothing too much. I, I wait till later tonight to raid the pantry. So. <laughs> That's so is it a, is it a winter wonderland there or no it is yeah snow all over the place so we had a day and a half snow days um we started back today at noon uh, yeah so okay you know, qu- quite different than my typical january in charleston was yeah i was gonna say so how, so tell me about that call you know when you uh when you got the call to become the president of liberty yeah, yeah, it was uh, you know unexpected. It wasn't looking for it. Didn't really wasn't really interested. Um, happy where we were, but you know one thing led to another. And I'm a two time Liberty graduate. Right. You know I uh, had a connection, and I as a as an Air Force chaplain all those years, I was endorsed to the chaplaincy by Liberty Baptist Fellowship, which is part of the part of the whole enterprise here. So had some. You know, a sense of uh, obligation, but uh, liberty changed my life. So, um, yeah, but, but you know, I, I like the beach too. So, yeah, I, I was, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it took took a few months, but we uh, we felt like this was the right place to be, and haven't been haven't been disappointed. Miss Charleston, miss our friends, you know, miss the university, all that. But there's plenty here to love. Yeah, no, I, well, I, absolutely. You know, and, and what's and you named a few, but what's the biggest change from Charleston Southern to Liberty? Yeah, the, the you know, the, the size and scope obviously are are different, but you have a lot more help here. And so in, in the grand scheme, uh, you know, it's um, it, it's about the same. You know, some of it's small things that, uh, you know, at Charleston Southern, I could I could uh, leave my desk, walk downstairs, walk. 40 yards and be at the chow hall, you know, and here it's a complicated venture with both my car and parking and all kinds of stuff. Um, but that, those are probably the main things. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you have a lot more help here. You, you know, this place has money um, and most, most schools don't. Um, and so, you know, that's been part of it here is uh, they have, you know, they have resources to do things that you would love to have done, we'd love to have done, you know, where I, from whence I came, but just didn't have the money to do it. So you know, th- th- those are the, those are the big things. You know, when, when people used to ask me, what's the biggest change uh, between the federal government and military all those years and, and uh, higher education, I would say, um, how much stuff costs, uh, you know, because in the government, you don't really worry about it. Um, uh, you you ask for it and, and they you usually get it and if you didn't get it it was no big deal because you could find another way. Wait till next year you probably get it next year. You know? So it's right it's a right deal um, in this world of course. Well, and if if you could for the audience, can you can you just give a brief overview just of 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 your distinguished career, your background, because I think your background. Um, and your background tied to the 
to the president of a post-secondary institution it is a unique one. Yeah, yeah. When I, um, you know, I, I guess I guess I'm part of that, whatever it is these days, 12, 15, maybe 20 percent now, uh, the so-called non-traditional candidate. Uh, and, and so I was an industrial engineer in the Air Force, went to the Air Force Academy, industrial engineer in the Air Force, was had a sense of calling to be a, a, an Air Force chaplain, loved the Air Force, loved the Air Force people. Um, and so became a chaplain after some, you know, education along the way. Uh, and, and, uh, um, and as I said before, I had this connection to, to Liberty because, you know, Liberty University was on the front lines before there was an internet. Um, Liberty University was on the front lines of, uh, of providing accredited education uh, that, uh, you know, to your doorstep, and, and in my case, it was accredited, so which meant the Air Force would pay for it. Um, and so, my, my first uh, graduate degree came from my first two graduate degrees came from Liberty. One, by extension, you know, kind of the precursor to Liberty University Online, and the second came uh, because uh, Uncle Sam and all his wisdom moved us from um, as newlyweds from Florida to Langley Air Force Base, Virginia, which, which I was in striking distance of Liberty to take residential classes. And so I was able to finish half of a Master Divinity degree that way. And so that when um, I, I got, had my third Air Force assignment, it was close enough to a university that, uh, or to a seminary uh, that I could uh, finish up the Master Divinity to become a chaplain. So industrial engineer for 10 years, became a was chaplain for 22. And then when it came time to, um, to decide what was next, um, I made a list of all the things that I loved about the Air Force and, and being a, a senior leader in the Air Force Chaplain Corps. Um, and I, I realized a number of things, uh, two in particular. First thing is that for the most part, mo much of what a chaplain does in the Air Force is deal with the life challenges of 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and so there was a, an, obvious, uh, an obvious bridge there to, uh, to higher education, Christian higher education in my case. Um, and the second thing was, is that uh, if you were to take the, the, the organizational chart of, of any um, military, large military unit, you take that organizational chart and you overlay it onto the organizational chart for, for every university, um, you see an identical, um, you see an identical organizational chart. You know, both are complex bureaucracies with really good missions uh, involving lots of different kinds of people. Um, and, uh, and so that's what attracted me. And so when I thought about all the things that I loved about my last few jobs in the Air Force, senior chaplain in the Middle East, for the Air Force, senior chaplain uh, in the Pacific, uh, in the Pacific for the Air Force, and then Air Force chief of chaplains, you know, leading teams to accomplish great things uh, with, a, with a great mission, changing people's lives. Those are the things that uh, I think were the transferable skills. And then organizationally, when I, when I first got to my previous institution, again, which I said before, I dearly loved Charleston Southern, um, people would be talking to me, and I was brand new, um, and um, they would, I would say, now, tell me what you do again. Um, and they would tell me in English words what they did. And I said, oh, okay, in the Air Force, that's a this or that's a that. And then I would say, I know what you're talking about now. And that's sort of, sort of how it went. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a great, it's been a, been a great transition. And uh, I love higher education. Well, I imagine, uh, you know, there, there are several advantages that 
you just outlined an alum and your experience. You know, what, what, what are those advantages like when you're talking to a prospective student or a prospective parent, um, you know, about your experience? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is a game changer, you know, because I get to say uh, that uh, Liberty University changed my life, changed the course of the trajectory of my career. Um, and were it not for Liberty University, I would not be standing here today. Now, I don't know what he's going to do for you. I don't know what the Lord's going to do for you through Liberty, but I, I, I know what he did for me. Um, and I know what he's done for hundreds of thousands of others. Um, and, and so, um, you know, that's the place from which I get to speak is, is to, to say, you know, for the longest time, as I indicated earlier, Liberty um, was on the cutting edge of finding ways to deliver education, quality education, um, um, you know, sort of on the cutting edge and innovative ways, all of that. Uh, and so they, that's what we still do. But had they not done that, um, you know, I would never have become a chaplain. I would never have become the chief of chaplains, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so that's, um, it, it, is, it is a game changer because I can tell my story uh, in ways that uh, I think other people can relate to. Well, I think Liberty University meets students where they are but better than a lot of institutions. And so, you know, can you talk about the, the evolution of Liberty since 1971 and how, you know, you have that strong mix of, of on-campus students, but you obviously have a very large online population as well. You have roughly 97,000 students, about 49,000 undergrads. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, the, the it depends on who you ask, but but roughly speaking, uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't want anybody to accuse me of, of inflating numbers. Um, you know, those who in, in the church world would understand. Sometimes we refer to evangelistically speaking. You know, and so the the pastor says, uh, "Well, I'm sure there were five thousand people here." Actually, I think I only saw four hundred. <laughs> so, so roughly speaking, you know, um, there's, there's, uh, depending on how you do the math, 100 to 120,000 online, and then 15,500 on campus, you know, including the medical school and the law school. And all that. So, you know, th this isn't entirely the case, uh, but it is, it is largely the case that, uh, that it's it sort of is, you know, it, it's, it's one mission, it's one, you know, our, our, our tagline is training champions for Christ. Um, but to some extent, it's two different schools uh, be, because it, it is appealing largely to two different student populations. And so you have the, the on-campus experience, which, uh, you know, a, a traditional student wants the college experience and all of that. Um, and, uh, you know, many of them do have to work, uh, you know, along the way as well. But many of them, you know, come stay in the dorms and things like that and you know, do the college and then you have, um, which is where I was uh, for both of my degrees, and you have the, the more adult population, not exclusively, but mostly so the adult population that uh, is, you know, is trying to advance their careers or trying to upskill, they're trying to get a degree to, you know, to, because they need it for their, um, you know, for their, for their profession, or, or they're trying to change careers. Um, and they can't afford to drop everything and spend, you know, two, three years, uh, you know, even getting, getting, even getting a graduate degree. So I think to some extent it's it's two different uh, two different schools in the sense that you know we do a really good job of meeting the needs of the populations that we've been called to reach, um, and so I think you know the, the reason that Liberty has been so successful all these years in doing that, and again as I said before, 
I was in the other camp. You know, I was in the camp that had liberty not been available, had liberty not thought through the difficulties and, and the, the, the logistic challenges and the accreditation, you know, because it was, it was a new thing back in the mid-80s when they came up with this. Um, if they had not done that um, and had, been, had, had they not been ready when I was ready, then um, again, I wouldn't be here today. My career would have taken a different path and it would have, it would have been delayed probably a decade, frankly. <coughs> and um, because of that, but because they were there and I was there and I was hungry for it, um, it certainly worked out for me. Um, you know, I, I look around the campus today, um, and in fact, I had, had lunch today um, along with some, some students. Uh, I had lunch today with some staff members who graduated 30-some years ago. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just in awe of all that God has done on this campus in terms of facilities and infrastructure and all that. So in 1971, when, uh, back to your original question, in 1971, when Dr. Falwell, you know, started the school, um, all he had was faith uh, and and a, a possible location. Um, you know, there was no money, there was no, but he had faith and he had vision, um, and it was his faith and his vision. When nobody else believed, um, he did, and as it turns out, that was enough. Um, and so, again, the same thing happened uh, in mid-'80s when they came up with the idea of doing extension learning, and then when the internet came, uh, you know, came online, Liberty University was an early adopter um, and just applied those skills and abilities and experiences from before, um, you know, into, into, that, uh, into that forum. So, you know, uh, it, that, that's sort of the story of Liberty, and, uh, but it's always done uh, what we say we do now, what we do now, and that is train champions for Christ. Well, and, and I know one of Dr. Fallswell's uh, um, goals especially when you look at the, the, the tagline tra train champions for Christ was to also make sure they, that you build a strong athletic program. Yeah. And, and can you talk about the evolution of Liberty and, and not just football, but all the other sports and, yeah. and how has that impacted the school? Yeah. Again, um, I, I'll use the word again, and this time it's even more appropriate. It's, it's been a game changer, uh, you know, because, you know, way back, way, way back, Dr. Falwell said um, he was going to build this university, obviously strong academics, strong faith commitments, all of those things. But he said he was going to build this university um, really on two things, uh, a commitment to athletics and a commitment to music. Uh, and so, so these are the things that, uh, that uh, you know, speak to students that serve as, as corollaries to the academic experience. Um, and that's what he's done. So if you were to come to the campus, <clears throat> you would look around and you would see, um, uh, certainly for a group of five institutions, you, you probably would see um, all things considered the, the, the best athletic complex in the country. Now, there might be a, a group of five school that has a better this stadium or that stadium. But if you come and look at the indoor track and the natatorium, you know, and the football stadium and the in the in the you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the basketball arena and, and all of that, the lacrosse field, you know, the, the field, I mean, all these things together, um, the golf facility, what you would see, what you would see is that uh, Dr. Fowell's vision, you know, has come to reality. Um, and if, if I could take you and walk you through the School of Music building, you know, you'd see commercial music facilities and you'd see this phenomenal um, you know, School of Music Auditorium, the whole thing. And so I think what, what we see 
is that when it comes to athletics, um, you know, this year, as you guys probably know, um, uh, Liberty uh, was 13-0 in the regular season and, and was the one group of five uh, team, the highest-ranking group of five team in the college football playoff that was selected to go play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and so, you know, you, know, you, you, you just you, you can't – that's the kind of marketing and branding – uh, that uh, that uh, there are a few other ways to do it, um, and so uh, fortunately, uh, you know that's what we do. And interesting, over the summer, I read Dr. Falwell's uh, autobiography, um, and uh, um, at the at the end of the you know at the end of the book, and about page four hundred and thirty-five or so, the end of the book, um, he includes this list of ten things that was sort of the, the vision of the school, and he mentioned specifically that we're going to have a commitment to athletics. And then he puts a comma and he says, including football period. And so football, football is the one he was a big, uh, he was a big football fan. He, he'd been a Green Bay Packers fan. And, and the story goes, I've heard it from very reliable sources that the original colors of Liberty, which are now like red, white, and blue, the original colors were green and gold because he was a Green Bay Packers fan. Um, and, and so I, I think I think you see Dr. Falwell's vision sort of played out in every area here. So what's the biggest challenge just from a competition standpoint, because the competition in, you know, in general in higher ed is many would say saturated, you know, private faith based institution. Again, it's it's tough to compete. Uh, so what what is your biggest challenge as far as continued growth for the institution? Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it is tough sledding out there. You know, um, it's uh, it, you know, I don't I don't need to tell certainly your audience all the challenges that uh, higher education faces, but there are political challenges, and there are you know questions about value. There are questions about you know is college worth it? All, all of these things, um, and in the in, in in the meantime, you know, there's this um, shrinking pool of. Uh, of students who um, are even able to go to college, much less um, you know want to go to college, and so that that's kind of the marketplace that we find ourselves. And I think the the, the advantage that Liberty would have is uh, is uh, we've talked about this already, but you know its online presence um, also provides a kind of larger branding that uh, you know some other schools wouldn't have access to. Um, but every day is a fight, um, and anybody. Who would say you know I've been at a smaller school where you know you fight for every penny um, and, and you fight for every student and I think the same is true um, across higher education uh, and it's true here uh, you know you know we want to make sure that uh, that we are providing uh, and making plain the value proposition that that uh, Liberty University um, is putting forth in a way that is appealing to students and you know for, for the most part um, if, if a student visits the campus of Liberty University, there's a good chance you're going to come here uh, because you may have heard about the campus, you may have, um, but until you show up here um, and see it uh, and see the scope and the facilities and meet the faculty and all of that, um, you know, um, you know, like, like twice a week. We have uh, eight or nine or ten thousand students gathering for a worship service on the campus. That's mandatory. Um, some of the some of the country's best speakers come, uh, and then on Wednesday nights uh, we have a voluntary worship service that's uh, an hour and a half long, 
um, with uh, some of the best music you'll ever hear in a 40-minute message from a preacher. Um, and uh, uh, last semester, we averaged over 5,000 students uh, every Wednesday night, you know, for the entire wow. semester. So I think, you know, j- just, just being on the campus and experiencing the, uh, you know, the, the spiritual fervor and you know, seeing, seeing uh, what liberty is all about and getting a taste of athletics, all of that um, makes for a, a great college experience. And so the same thing was true at my previous institution. You know, if you come and see the campus, meet the people, you know, that, that makes all the difference. And the same is true here. So how, how do you make sure that you're incorporating uh, your faith-based mission uh, for, for all students? Whether it be on campus or online. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, th- that's that's the coin of the realm for us. Uh, you know that that uh, we say we're training camp champions for Christ, and so I ask often, how do we how we how do we know that we're doing that? And so um, on campus, uh, it looks a little different than off campus, or you know, for those who are going online. But in every classroom, you know, every professor um, is committed to the biblical worldview. Every professor understands, you know, what we would say, all truth is God's truth. And, and they teach it differently through their discipline, but they integrate their faith uh, in, in the classroom in a way that, uh, that shows the student that, uh, again, whatever the, whatever the discipline is, um, that discipline is evidence that God is, is real and is who he says he is. And, and so, you know, each professor that applies, you know, that concept to to uh, the, the, the critical thinking skills and the communication abilities and the problem solving abilities and all the rest, you know, for a student. So we spend a lot of time and effort making sure our faculty are prepared for that. And um, we're in the process now of uh, completing a strategic plan. Uh, and that is going to be, that's a fundamental element of it because, you know, for us, if we lose the faith element, if we lose the fact that we really are training champions for Christ, then you know we you know that's our value proposition. And let's face it, not every student who comes to Liberty is a Christian. You know uh, when they show up, uh, and 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 uh, uh, but but most are, um, and most come expecting that we are going to be doing the things that we say we're going to be doing. Um, and and so for us, it's not just you know it's not just this obligation that we have, but it's also an expectation. Um, and uh, fortunately for us, the two things uh, mesh up pretty well. Um, we are happy to have the obligation, and we are happy to fulfill the expectation. So, how do you define student success? Yeah, um, you know, when I, um, as a as a relative newcomer to higher education, still. Um, so, uh, you know, when I when I got to Charleston Southern, my first institution. Um, you know, I, uh, you've probably heard it said that, uh, um, you have to answer two questions, whatever business you're in. The questions are, um, what business are we in and how's business? Um, and, and so the, the question that, uh, that for a higher education institution that I quickly learned was that student success is what we do. You know, clearly we're here for, for students to be successful. We're, we're not here just so they can go to a football football game, just so they can do this, just so they can do that. And so when I define, when I look at uh, and I frame student success, um, I look at three things. I look at, uh, first of all, enrollment, um, because um, I think that uh, if a student has the chance to be engaged, whether online um, or 
you know, or, uh, or, or on campus, that uh, I think they should come here um, or a school a lot like us rather than some other school. And so I think they'll be more successful in this kind of environment where we focus on character and all the things. Uh, so enrollment is first. Um, and, you know, we pay close attention to the hackers. And the second thing is, uh, is retention. How do we make sure that we are providing the kind of education in, in the kind of way that is going to make, uh, going to um, encourage a student to stay and retain so that they can finish their academic degree and then go on and, and live a productive life. And the third thing, uh, which is clearly related to the, to the second, is uh, graduation rates. Um, and so we, we focus on those. And again, um, Liberty University uh, is, is certainly among the best at student success um, in, in early alerts and uh, faculty-student relationship. You know, all of those things we pay very close attention as, as everybody in higher education uh, certainly attempts to do, we, we pay very close attention. We have, uh, you know, uh, really good technologists here. Um, we have uh, lots of systems, some of which uh, that, you know, that we have, we have uh, produced ourselves and, and others that supplement that. But, but uh, so those three things are kind of how I frame the problem. Um, you know, beyond that, it's, uh, you know, and again, part of our strategic plan is building into every element of the curriculum, um, how, do we, how do we define and how do we measure what it means to be a champion for Christ? And so um, that's what we're looking into as well as in terms of our strategic plan. Well, and I think Liberty University is in a, in a, in a, um, a pretty distinctive position as it relates to career paths and making certain that students um, you know, um, have, have a clear career path, but can continue to elevate in their career, change positions if they need to, because we know in five or 10 years and beyond, there's going to be jobs out there that don't exist today and also vice versa. So can you talk about how you're educating that, that traditional age student, right? That 24 year old and younger, but then also the non-traditional student that might need a degree or maybe needs a certificate to advance in their career, that 24 year old and an older yeah. crowd. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And so, you know, part of what uh, part of what keeps us uh, sort of on the forefront is uh, again we're really good at analytics. Uh, we're really good at, at at keeping in touch with the marketplace. What are the needs that uh, that the market is demanding, and and are we uh, producing students who are going to fill those market demands? Uh, you know, we, you know, we offer hundreds upon hundreds of options for students uh, uh, that would sort of sort of uh, you know span the span the gamut here the whole spectrum of education but we're really good um, at making sure that we're not just holding on to things of the past just because um, just because we've, we've always done it that way you know we're, we're forward leaning and forward looking and I think those two things have help, helped keep Liberty um, really at the at the front edge of, of, of higher ed. Uh, and so it's a it's a daily process. Uh, you know we we have analytics that are up to the minute um, and just trying to make sure that we're serving our students in the way that they need to be served and want to be served. Um, and and we do it both online and uh, you know residentially. Um, you know for, especially for an adult student or a you know, student who is, um, you know, beyond traditional age, um, you know, they, they are, 
They tend to be very good at knowing what they want and what they need. That's why they come to us. Um, it, it's not always as much for a traditional undergraduate because you know, most of us showed up at 18 not having a clue uh, what we wanted to do. But you know, part of the college experience, I think, is helping that group you know, settle on that person. And I, and I tell students all the time, say, listen, you, know, um, no, you have no idea where you're going to be 10 years from now. I mean, you know, if it, maybe if you're going to be a nurse or an engineer, you're going to be stuck in that because it'll be too, maybe you think it's too hard and you got so much invested. But most of us, I, I was part of that. I mean, I, I had no idea what, what I wanted to do. And I, I landed on a major um, the, 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 the last week that I was allowed to land on a major in my sophomore year. So right before spring break of my sophomore year. So, you know, one of the messages I give the students, the first message is college is harder than high school. Um, the second, the second message is, you know, don't worry about it too much. You know, you just, just absorb, you know, you know, uh, enjoy the academic experience. Um, understand that it is an academic experience primarily. Um, here, there's a faith element and all that. Um, but, but, but you are learning skills in these four years that are going to serve you well for the rest of your life. Um, I, uh, you know, we want you to be a critical thinker and a problem solver. We want you to be um, able to articulate yourself, uh, you know, speak well and write well in a persuasive way. Uh, we want you to be a resilient person. Uh, we want you to understand that, at least in your generation, for a traditional age student today, mental health um, is, is far more of a challenge than it was when I was in college. You know, and, and there are plenty of reasons for that. But still, you know, we have our, our student population, um, you know, all of us are going to have to deal with these mental health challenges. And so we want to make sure that we have given you the, the, the skills and the abilities. And much of that comes from your faith that when you get to your first job, you know, you, 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 you have the resilience to, to succeed. You know what it means to fail and pull yourself back up again and all of that. And so those are the things that I say. We, we are really teaching you how to, to, to uh, succeed in your first job, and you and the Lord will figure out uh, succeeding jobs. And so I was an industrial engineer uh, because that was the major I picked um, as a 19-year-old that, um, that, would, that would require of me to write the fewest number of papers. That was, that was my logic. Um, then I became a chaplain. Um, and it was a chaplain in the Air Force for, you know, 22 years after having been a, um, a uh, four years as a college professor teaching ROTC in between. And then I jumped into higher education. You know, none of that from the outside seems to fit, but I can tell exactly how each of it fits together. Um, and the skills I learned early on and throughout the process all kind of bear upon my daily work uh, um, today. Well, now, are, are students able to get internships as early as freshman year? I mean, how soon can they can they start working with business? Yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, they, uh, you know, I'll give an example. Um, you know, I, I attended uh, the, the freshman engineering orientation. It was an ice cream party back in August. Um, and part of the message from the dean was the importance of internships and getting one as early as possible. Uh, and he explained in great detail how, you know, the sooner you start, the sooner you get work experience, the sooner you get your name known, especially if you're doing an internship uh, as an engineer, you know, because uh, um, you can demonstrate your ability and you probably have a job before you graduate. 
And so, um, yeah, yeah, it, it is certainly possible and, and expected in many of these uh, in many of these majors. And some are some are you know more challenging than others. But uh, uh, but yeah, we encourage it strongly. Uh, and it 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 might be the best thing extracurricular thing that you do as a student is get an internship of some sort. Well, because I know, I mean, my my oldest, uh, my son, who's a freshman in high school. You know, he's already starting to ask me about, well, you know, hey, I think I like finance. Hey, I think I like computer science. But he's already starting to to connect the dots and realizing, okay, but what job can I get? You know, what can I do with this? I said, well, you know, you can do a lot, but I I think that's where those those internships really come in handy, among other things. Yeah. And I I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know about what it was like when you were a freshman in high school. Uh, but I, I didn't have a lot of my friends, and I certainly wasn't going. Man, I should do some internships. I should get some work experience no. in high school so I can figure Not out. Not me. No, <laughs> I can't tell you anybody who did that. Um, and I think part of it is is it, it now is is in the ether. You know, it's in the conversation. Part of the national conversation is from politicians and you know in all the higher ed world is uh, hey, you know, we, we got to make sure. Uh, to the best of our ability, that that we're preparing students for the actual workforce, um, yeah. and so there there's always been this tension, you know, between you know what's what's uh, the value of a liberal arts education, um, you know, versus well, you know, what kind of job are you going to get? Well, you know, they should never have been really been in conflict, but uh, you know, given the conversation that ha- that's happening nationally, I think. Earlier and earlier, um, students are going to be asking because their parents are going to be think, talking about it, which means that universities and colleges and you know, two-year schools and trade schools um, are, are also going to have to be ready for that. And I think in many respects, um, leading the conversation and demonstrating to prospective students that, hey, man, we got you. you know, here's the path. Um, and we're going to help you get from point A to point B as best we can. Now, has it been, and easier may not be the, the best word, but just from an international recruitment standpoint, um, have, do you feel like you've been stronger over the past few years, especially since COVID? Have, have things changed? What does that international landscape look like? Yeah, I, th- I think we're starting to see a rebound. Uh, you know, I think um, um, both at my previous institution and here, um, there was never really a drop-off. Uh, there was always sort of a building of momentum. Uh, but, um, you, you know, but I think it'll be even more and more and more. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad COVID's gone. I hope it never comes back. It, it was bad. It was a bad thing for all of us. Um, and uh, so I think, I think we're far enough past it now that uh, that really isn't a factor. But, you know, um, one, of the, one of the great values, and I, I've told, I said this at Charleston Southern often, and I, and I I, I said this to our, our, our new class of international students here back uh, in the early fall. I said, you know, not only is we hope an American university, this one, Liberty University, good for you. Um, I explained to them the value that they bring to the classroom, you know, because some of our students, uh, you know, may have never left the state that they were that they were raised in, um, and maybe to go to Disney World, but other than that. Um, in, in church world, maybe a couple of mission trips here and there. But for the most part, you know, um, having an international student in the classroom, yeah, it's good for the international student, but it's really good for our students, um, you know, our, our domestic students, because they get to travel the world 
by just attending classes here and, and seeing the different cultures and how different cultures think and the importance of diversity of thought and what diversity of culture brings to, you know, a, 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 a campus and a community and a problem solving exercise. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I hope more and more come and certainly we're doing our part to try to make that happen. Um, do you spend a lot of time managing publicity? Um, yes, uh, yes. Um, you know, some challenges are bigger than others, uh, but uh, fortunately, we have a, a, a pretty active uh, marketing and communication arm, uh, and they stay on top of things. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's a, it's a thing. And you know, again, you know, back in the day when I was going to college, uh, even before when I was thinking about it, there might be something. It might be an article in the paper. And it would be there for a day to be gone. And then maybe if it was big enough, it'd be mentioned on a newscast, but you wouldn't hear about it again. Of course, you know, today, um, anything that happens is something that uh, goes global um, in nanoseconds. And so it's just a different world. Uh, and so we, we, we do, uh, you know, put a lot of attention to making sure that, uh, that uh, you know, truth is told for one thing. Uh, but also that uh, you know the the brand of our university is is uh, well represented and and as need as need be protected. So where do you see Liberty University in ten years? Yeah, you know we are asking that very question right now. And so um, I um, I had the great privilege of showing up uh, and uh, you know did some preliminary strategic planning. You know with all of our deans. Uh, all of our uh, vice presidents, uh, and as a, as a prelude to a an extensive strategic planning process that we're probably three quarters of the way done with now, um, and and so the what I what I, the way I frame the frame the question is or frame the challenge is you know a, a leader's job among other things is to say to rally the troops and say hey let's take that hill. Um, and so the most important uh, thing to determine, though, is which hill are we taking? Um, and, and so uh, if you don't have one, if you don't have a, a hill that you're taking, then everybody just sort of does their own thing and you hope and you hope for the best. Well, in this process, we are asking some very pointed questions, things like I mean, any, any university should be asking. In our case, it's to what extent, uh, you know, we are a teaching institution and, and always will be. But to what extent should we uh, should we also be a research institution? You know, that's a, that's a philosophical question. It's a it's an infrastructure question. It's all kinds of things. But we're asking that question. Um, we're asking the question: How large should Liberty University be, both online and on campus? Um, you know, because online's a little easier, but on campus, as uh, as as you well know, if you say you're going to go from 15,500 to 20,000, let's say, mm -hmm. it's not just a recruiting effort, you know? And so what would you do if all 20,000 showed up? Where would they live? Where would they eat? Uh, do we, are, are, is, our, is our road infrastructure big enough to handle all these students who we do want to come? And we, we, we'd love to be 50,000. But, and so it's, it's incrementally, how do we determine um, um, how large we should get, um, how quickly we should get there, and just making sure we're doing it for the right reasons, not just what well, we want to be big. Um, 
And so on the one hand, you know, we, we, are, we are saying that uh, every student in America should have the opportunity to have a Liberty University education. I, I believe that. I think every student in America would, would, would love it here. Um, on the other hand, if every student in America showed up, um, I, 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 don't know, I don't know where we'd, we'd put them, where would we house them, all, all that sort of thing. So we're doing this in a responsible way uh, to make sure that we're growing, growing in a way that is going to not, not um, diminish the student experience of those students who are already here. Um, and so that's the big question. Those are the two big questions that we're asking. Um, you know, we, we are also asking the question, you know, um, how large should your endowment be? Mm. For us, um, frankly, it's a question of, um, you know, if, if, if the, the winds were to change and a faith-based education, a Christian education was, was suddenly on the outs, um, uh, to the extent that uh, you know, no government, uh, you know, no no government funding or, or scholarship money, grants, et cetera, could be used here. What would we do? Um, and so, you know, that's part of our our long term conversation. Is you don't have a big endowment just to have a big endowment so you can brag to your buddies. Who cares about that? Uh, you have an endowment so that um, if funding sources were to go away, and in our case, you know, there there's a there's a, a serious concern. Um, in the next generation, if not sooner, that Christian schools would, would you know, may, maybe be, um, you know, institutions non grata, if I can use that phrase. Um, so, um, you know, we want to prepare so that if that were to happen, we'd still be able to um, allow plenty of students to have the kind of education that the university provides. So you know, those are the kind of the big rocks that we're, that we're um, dealing with. Um, and then probably in three, four months, we'll have the a plan, and I'll, I will then be able to stand in front of people and say, okay, let's take the hill, and here's the hill. Well, excellent. Well, President Don DeCasson, hey, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Good, good seeing you, Brad. Have a, have a great afternoon. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.